Welcome to the North Star Broadcast. I'm your host, Christine Bergstrom. I'm a certified clinical hypnotherapist and breathwork facilitator with an immense love and passion for all things related to spirit, consciousness, and the path of the awakening. On this podcast, we'll be exploring all of this and more through sharing spiritually transformative, out-of-body, and near-death experiences. We will learn and grow together through inspiring conversation. Thank you for being here. Hello and welcome. On today's show, we will be speaking to Lonnie Gonzalez. She's an author, attorney, a certified clinical hypnotherapist, and she has an incredible near-death-like experience to share with us today. So Lonnie, welcome. Thank you. Thank you so much for being here with me today. And I do have to say that um, I met Lonnie through a hypnotherapy school where I am her teacher, but in in many ways, I feel like I'm her student as well. So very much in this setting, I am your student. So please share your story with me, Lonnie. I'm basically just going to turn it over to you, have you pick up at wherever you feel is relevant, and then we'll just go from there. Sure. So I think all of this really started when I decided to travel Um, I grew up under a rock as a child and travel was never something that was important to me. Um, However, I was uh, hospitalized with uh, meningitis and they weren't sure if I was going to make it. And I laid in that bed and I realized, what am I doing with my life? If this was it, okay, I have money in the bank. I can say that I have a decent career, but what if this is all that's it? Um, And that really was a turning point for me. So from age 27, I decided to make experiencing life a priority and traveling. So as of now, I've been to 29 countries solo. And one of my experiences was actually in Norway. Um, What I realized is one of the reasons I was traveling was because I felt a lack I felt that something was missing in my life, but also perhaps something within me. Um, But at the time I was traveling, I didn't know that. I was just like, oh, it sounds like a fun thing to do. Um, So ultimately in 2020, I went to Norway to chase the Northern Lights by myself. And it was a beautiful experience and it was very cold. So I went in January of 2022, the coldest, darkest month, um, because that was the best way to try to see the Northern Lights. Um, So I had gone by myself and I signed up for um, an excursion. So to go camping 100 miles north of the Arctic Circle. Uh, So the idea is if you're way, way, way out in the middle of nowhere, um, you won't have that light pollution. So it's like, great. Um, So the day that I went, the weather was terrible. It was cold. There was a storm. And the other people from the group were saying, we're not going to do this. It is too cold. The weather is terrible. And there's no way we're going to see the northern lights. Uh, But I decided to stay. I was like, well, I want to give it a shot. I want to at least try and have that experience. So the people who were actually um, hosting this excursion were like, okay, but you're going to stay by yourself. And I was like, that's fine. They're like, okay, we're not coming back until 11 in the morning. So you're going to be here all by yourself. And I was like, okay. And they also said, 
and you have to keep the fire going by yourself. And it's like, okay. And then they added, that means you can't sleep longer than two hours at a time. And I was like, okay. And they warned me, this is what's going to happen. If you can't get the fire going, you're going to have to start it by yourself. So they started the fire um, for me. Um, but what I didn't realize is I had no idea how to keep a fire going. <laughs> so I was in this tent and I had a decent fire and it's cold. There's a storm, but there's like a little peeking hole in this tent. And I peeked outside and I realized, oh, the northern lights are there and I can actually see them. So I rushed outside of my tent. And the way snow is, is you go in and you can't really see the depth, especially when it's dark. So all of a sudden I'm like running, oops, knee deep. And then keep running some more to chase the Northern Lights and take pictures. And I'm like, oh, I'm waist deep. But I'm so excited to see the lights that I didn't particularly care. Um, so once I see the lights, I go back in my tent. I realize, oh no, I had taken off all of my waterproof clothes and I was outside in, in the Arctic in January with no waterproof clothing. So yeah, I was very cold <laughs> and I was like, okay, we need to figure this out. I did not bring extra clothes because I was only supposed to be there for one night. So it's like, okay, I've seen this in movies. I think I'm supposed to get naked. <laughs> so I took off my clothes and I tried to warm them. But I also put them too close to the fire. So my socks had caught on fire. So that was a thing. And I'm like, okay, I got to stay warm. I'm doing jumping jacks and things like that. And the way hypothermia works is you don't really realize you have hypothermia. It's like a slow progression of, okay, one minute I'm doing jumping jacks. The next minute it's like, I'm feeling really tired. Like I can do nothing and it's totally okay to sleep. And, um, I started, your, your brain sort of starts to slowly go. Um, I like to think, I think pretty quickly, but all of a sudden these thoughts are getting slower and weirder. And I was like, you know what? I think I'm just going to lay down. And I laid in this bed and watched this fire, occasionally putting sticks in, but your body all of a sudden just feels so heavy and weighted. And as I'm laying in this tent, really counting the hours of when they're going to come pick me up, I started having thoughts and visions that I had never thought before ever. Um, so a little bit of context before this experience, if you were to ask me where we go when we die, or if there's a God, my answer would be, I don't know. And I don't care. Um, it doesn't help me now. It's not relevant to me. So it's never a thought that I would have had. Um, but as I'm laying there, I slowly start to receive information. And the information I receive is, there's no good or bad. All things simply are. Um, you, as a human, choose to designate it that way, but we don't see it that way. We're like, who is this we? <laughs> and I'm just kind of allowing this information to come. And I'm told, because there is no good or bad, and things simply are, your concept of heaven and hell it's not quite right as well. They're real, but they're more states of mind. And there's also a choice to that. Just laying there, it's like, okay, this is interesting information. And I don't know why I was presented with this information at the time, 
But then I was told, where we go after we die. And what was explained to me is I had a choice. And they, what was essentially explained was, if you believe you're a bad person and you are deserving of punishment, so be it. That is your choice. And we will honor that choice. And we will send you to project in such a way that if you believe in a hell and you believe in punishment, so be it. If you believe that you are love and light, so be it. Um, and essentially, I was told that there is a choice of after this life, wherever I go is completely up to me based on where I want to go. So I was kind of asking questions within this space about what about Christianity and what about all these other religions that I had learned about? And I was told they're all right. All of them are right. So if you believe that you go to heaven, so be it. If you believe that you're going to reincarnate into a cow, so be it as well. And after receiving this explanation, I was offered, where do you wish to go? And I realized at that point, again, with hypnothermia, your mind slowly starts to go and you don't even realize. I'm like, oh, I'm not in my tent anymore. I am somewhere else that almost looks like the Northern Lights. It's like this dark sky. And essentially there's these lights and these colors. And I'm like, oh, I'm not in my body. I'm not in my tent. I'm there. I'm in the Northern Lights. And I was asked, where do you wish to go? And there were so many possibilities. And I asked, can I go back? Is that an option? Yeah, it's an option. And I realized that I was looking down at myself, laying in my tent. And it was interesting because my eyes were open and I was like staring at the fire. And I was watching myself laying in the tent, staring at the fire. And when I asked, can I go back? The answer was, so be it. So I end up immediately going from, oh, I'm in the Northern Lights to now I'm back laying on, on the ground, staring at the fire. And I got very lucky, or some people don't believe in luck. Some people call it synchronicity. Um, the fire showed me how to work. And essentially, I realized, oh, when you're a little kid and you draw a fire as a child, the sticks go like this and it's like oh the sticks are supposed to go like this so magically you know the fire makes the wood as it's burning move and it went this way and then the fire got so much larger and I was all of a sudden warm <laughs> and I was like oh okay this is how fire works and the whole tent was all of a sudden really really hot and I slowly was able to just be back with my thoughts and be back with my body um, and after that experience, um, the people who had the excursion did pick me up and they're like, what happened to you? You look like a mess. And why are your gloves on your feet? I'm like, I burned my socks. <laughs> so, um, after that experience, uh, what I like to say is you can't unsee things. So even though if you were to ask me before that experience, where do we go when we die? I didn't care. But after seeing that and experiencing that, I said, there's something to this. And uh, it was weird because as I was on the plane back home, I kept thinking about the information I received, the choices that I was asked to make. And something within me resonated as this must be true. Something felt like joy. Um, 
is what I would best describe it as. And I just kept thinking about it. Okay, this is, you know, maybe something went wrong in my brain and my brain's a little bit fried is what I was thinking, but something felt very true about it. And I, you know, in the course of life, I meet people. And after that trip, somebody recommended some books to me. Uh, one book that was recommended is Conversations with God. And I was like, ooh, God. And they're like, no, 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 don't worry. It's not about God. It's fine. Um, so I gave it a shot. And the book is basically about a man who starts asking questions to a higher power and receives answers about the universe and life. And I realized, wait a minute. That's the com th These are essentially the conversations that I had when I was there. So this is interesting. Um, and then another book that I was recommended was Many Lives, Many Masters, where essentially um, somebody receives information from these masters in the lives in between. And I was just absolutely shocked. It's like, wait a minute. There's something to this because this is the exact same information that I received. And it was one of those things that I was like, I can't look away from this information. Uh, maybe it was a sense of curiosity or part of it was wanting to fill that wholeness um, or fill that lack that I had in my life. But from that point, I was like, there's something more to what is going on. And that kind of started my journey into learning about what is beyond here, what is beyond our physical existence. Um, so that was essentially my first near-death experience. Um, and it really started the trajectory of really understanding who I am and thankfully finding more peace and wholeness in my life. Thank you so much, Lonnie. Yeah. I have so many questions. Sure. Uh, so how did this experience shape you uh, to where you are today? Your belief systems, you know, your spiritual beliefs. Um, how did that really shape you and where did that eventually lead? Wow. So I wasn't asking to be shaped, but maybe I was. Uh, so because my family, they're fundamentalist Christian, I grew up with a very strong aversion towards religion. Even if you said the word God, some part of me would like, like, Ugh, I don't know, I don't want to have this conversation. And it was never something that was what I was looking for. Um, but I think maybe some part of me was looking for that. Um, because I had a very unusual upbringing with uh, essentially my family is in a religion that some would categorize as a cult. Uh, I went to a lot of counseling as a teenager and as an adult. And one counselor said to me, and I laughed, but she asked it in a very serious way. She goes, do you think you have a competition with God? Or do you think you have some sort of, you know, issue with God? And I was like, well, what do you mean like by that? How can you compete with God if there is a God? There, you know, and I realized that there was some part of me that was a little bit angry, some part of me that rejected any thought of what comes beyond this life. And I think for me, that rejection of that because of my upbringing kind of had a, I had a lack of wholeness, a lack of understanding. And if you asked me when I was younger, why I was traveling, what I would tell you is life has been really hard. And I was looking for something that would make me feel wonder. And that was the intention of my traveling. But after having that experience, my intention was different. I started looking for God. Uh, I 
in whatever way that came up, I wasn't looking for a specific God, not a Christian God, not a Hindu God, just show me God. Mm-hmm. And after that, my travels became completely different and the trajectory went in a completely different direction. It wasn't just look at these pretty Instagram pictures or this thrill. It's like, where can I go to learn about myself, about other people, and in the long run, about what connects us all? Um, so from there, I went to India and I studied with gurus. I stayed in ashrams. I went to the Andes and I studied with shamans as well. And I became very, very open-minded. And that started or restarted a conversation for me about what is God? Where do we go when we die? What is the purpose of everything that we're doing in this life? Uh, and it opened the door to so many things. And I became much more open-minded Um, I remember many, many years ago, I have a good friend and she was telling me about a boy in high school, how when he was sick or had like an injury, his mom would take him to the woods and just hover her hands over him and do some sort of energy work. And as a lawyer, I said in my mind and I said it out loud, I was like, that's a liability. That's neglect. You better be careful with the laws of wherever she's from, because that is some sort of weird neglect. Um, And now I'm a Reiki master and I wholly believe in that. And I do Reiki and energy work on myself. So that's a very big shift from, oh, that's weird. And, you know, actually that could be illegal to now. It's like that is my primary way of trying to understand and heal myself. Um, so now I'd like to say that my life is led by not necessarily God or religion, but finding what I call love and light. So before it was a hustle mentality, you check boxes off of a list of what it means to be alive and travel. And now it's, I will follow whatever love and light is, whatever that looks like in whatever direction that is. That's beautiful. And also I wanted to ask you during your experience, did you ever find out or have an awareness of who those beings communicating with you were? It took a long time, but yes. Um, Those voices were very familiar, which is why I think I was open to having that conversation. Mm -hmm. And Over time, the more I listened to it, the more I understood what it was. And the first time I heard it, I went, that's a familiar voice, Um, voices. And eventually I realized one of those voices was me, Mm -hmm. not me in that sense, but I recognize it. I'm like, where have I heard this voice? And I remember as a child growing up, going through difficult things, I would all of a sudden, you know, from going to having a tantrum and being really upset to self-harming to all of a sudden being filled with just calm and peace. And I heard, didn't realize as I was younger that I was hearing things, but here we are now understanding that there's, you know, different clairs and you can understand the world with more than just our ordinary senses. I was hearing things as a child. I was hearing myself. And what I realized is, What I do now as an adult is I believe in astral travel as a way to heal ourselves, to understand. And I think some part of me or some version of me is traveling to different parts of my timeline and comforting myself, guiding myself. Mm -hmm. And that's why I've listened to this voice because it's so familiar. I'm like, oh, it's mine. That's why I can trust it. And then there were other voices, other information 
And the best way I can say it, and this is just my lingo, I don't know what the other people in the spiritual community would call it, but I call it home. There's something that is not home here in our earth or physical existence, but a home of somewhere greater, higher. And from the beings that are at home, they communicate with me. So I eventually realized that when I had my experience with hypothermia in the Arctic, I was guiding myself and there were beings from home that were guiding me then and guiding me always at any point in time, I can access these beings that are communicating, but it was not until then where your body completely shuts down and everything shuts down that all you have is that sense of home and those beings that are communicating. So I I think people have different words. Some people may call them angels. Some people call them guides. I like to think of it as home, the place where I originally come from, the place where I was made. There are things, beings that speak to me. Mm -hmm. Beautiful. And so when you say that you hear them or even as a child hearing, you know, guidance, are you hearing that with your physical ears? Like when you think about people who have clairaudience or is it more of like a download or a telepathic thought? How would you describe that? Uh, So I don't hear actual things. Um, I see things, I know things, I hear things, but it's not with my actual ears or my actual eyes. Um, And it's kind of difficult to explain. And I didn't actually realize um, as we're growing up, no one says, hey, this is how I perceive the world. I smelled this, I saw this. And I had no idea that other people weren't experiencing what I was experiencing. Um, So the best way I can think of it is if you hear like a song or think of a song in your head and you can hear that whole melody in your head, you're not necessarily hearing the actual song playing, but you can think of that melody in your head and then you can hum it. And that's sort of what it is, is I can hear something, I guess, in my, my mind's ear. They say mind's eye, but perhaps a mind's ear. So it's not an actual seeing things outside of me as though it's actually there or hearing. It's more of something internally. I love the way you explain that. Um, and so I know you and I know that you have some special gifts, right? And you just alluded to having these in childhood, not really knowing that they were gifts per se, just figuring everyone had them. But did this particular experience spark some of these gifts to open up even more so? Uh, How did that unfold for you? Sure. So after I got that information um, about where we go when we die and the fact that we have choices, uh, I'm just naturally a very curious person. So I had, well, I have more questions. How do I get these questions answered? And it's like, well, let's ask. Let's just ask. Let's ask and see what happens. So asking within my own mind, like kind of like you think to yourself, asking a question within your head and then seeing what happens. So I would start to ask for information and then I realized it comes to me much stronger. So kind of if you had a memory in your head, I don't know if all people think this way, but if you can imagine going to the beach last summer and then you have a visual in your head, um, it's almost like that is I would ask a question of, you know, what am I supposed to do with this particular issue or what's going on in this case? And then I would get a very clear image in my head um, or information or in, or a sound that would kind of answer that information. And 
the way I think of it is I started a conversation. The conversation really opened up when I had that experience with hypothermia. And let's say you have a friend or you meet a person, the more you're willing to listen, the more that person's willing to speak. So I think of it in the same way is it started because I became more curious about wanting to know more. And the more I listened, the louder they were speaking, or at least the better I was able to hear them. Hmm. That's beautiful. Um, that kind of reminds me of uh, this idea that many people have, like they are praying or asking for answers or looking for guidance going within, and they just can't hear or they can't perceive uh, the voice of, of anyone or anything outside mm-hmm. of themselves. And they feel so alone. So what would you recommend people could do to really connect and open up to, I hear you say trusting, first of all, mm-hmm. right. And, and listening, um, how specifically would you recommend people connect? Uh, people don't let lo- people ask me all this all the time. And people don't always love my answer because it sounds so obvious and easy, But step one is, do you listen to yourself? Mm -hmm. And that's a really big one. And when I talk about listening to yourself, a lot of us do not listen to ourselves. In fact, do not want to listen to ourselves. And that sounds ridiculous, but I'll give you a couple of examples. Let's say you're really, really tired, really tired, and your body is asking for rest or to slow down. Some of us just drink coffee and some of us will drink energy drinks and there's nothing wrong with that. There's so many things we need to do to survive, but understanding that our body is actually speaking to us and saying, we need, we need rest, but we don't give it that. Um, Or something that we're now challenging is when we have like younger children and you say, oh, hug uncle Bob. Oh, that's uncle Larry. Go hug him. And the child says, I don't want to, I don't feel comfortable. And the parent goes, no, 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 that's Uncle Larry. He's gonna give you Christmas money. Go go say hi to him. That child just had a voice. It wasn't listened to. Um, so there are so many ways that we don't listen to ourselves. Our bodies, our minds, our intuitions are always trying to communicate with us. And the question is, are we listening? So I would say step one is learn how to listen to yourself. Um, We do have a hustle and grind uh, type of society and it's glorified. But when we slow down and we can hear ourselves, that's step one. Step two is when we hear ourselves, answer. Actually answer and honor what's received. So the same thing I tell you with a friend, it's if a friend told you, hey, um, I'm really, really hungry. We should go to a restaurant. And you go, oh, well, let's just go to the movies. What would that friend feel like? Would they want to talk to you? Would they feel like they're being heard? And it's the same thing, having that internal conversation with ourselves and really hearing ourselves. And then once we can hear ourselves in our own voice, for me, I start to realize, oh, there's someone else speaking. There's something outside of me speaking as well. Um, So it really is the simple practice of learning how to listen um, and slowing down in just the way you would with a friend, with the person right in front of you. So if you want to speak to a guide or if you feel like you have an angel or if there are even spirits beyond that are not on this plane, how do you communicate with them? The same way you would communicate with anybody else in a quiet space where somebody actually feels like they can be heard. Mm -hmm. Love that. 
And I wanted to ask you, uh, you mentioned that you had these questions like who or what is God and what is our purpose? And that experience really kind of sparked that inspiration. Do you feel like you've come to, to know and realize those answers? I have. Um, I, I, I would say the universe has been very kind to me and did not just plop it all at once and say, here's the book, here's how it all works. Um, as much as we'd like for that to happen, I don't think I would have understood it. So um, I've gotten more and more of an understanding of who I am, why things have happened, what my place is in the world. Um, and a similar experience is I had another um, experience where I wasn't sure if I was going to make it as I did ayahuasca. And I wrote a book about it. It's called Rebirth of a Sage. But during one of the ceremonies, I actually stopped breathing. That's not common, um, but I gave up on myself. I was asked in that world, would I forgive my mother? Yeah. Would I forgive my father? Yes. Would I forgive their mothers and fathers? Yes. And I was asked, will you forgive yourself? And I could not answer and I could not even fathom forgiving myself. And I stopped breathing and I went to this very dark quiet place. And, you know, people talk about meeting, you know, Peter at the pearly gates or someone's a judge of who you are to determine if you go to heaven or hell. And when I was in this dark space, I met my judge and that was me. Mm -hmm. And there was a conversation there about what I could and could not forgive and whether I was willing to move forward. And they say a lot with ayahuasca, they call it the death of the ego. And in that situation, I really got clarity about who I am, what I needed to forgive from myself. Um, and when I was able to forgive myself, I came out of that dark space and I almost woke up and saw people around me. Everyone at the facility was around me holding hands and crying and people were so happy to see that I was breathing again. And once I was able to forgive myself, and forgive everything that had passed. And I looked at the world and myself with understanding and compassion. The universe said, okay, we will bow to you and we will give you everything because you can understand because you're not looking at the world from the perspective of you're a victim. You're not looking at it as the world owes me. You're looking and saying, I accept and I will perceive everything with compassion. And once I was able to use those lenses the universe just said, and here's everything. Here is everything else about what you wish to know about yourself and other people. So uh, I will say it has definitely been a journey that I, I feel as though we're always learning. But at this point in time, I feel like I received a lot of answers about the universe and what I need to do in order to move forward with my life. And so with that said, I do want to ask you, and I love this question because everyone has a little bit of a different answer, but what would you say is our purpose here on earth? And this is an answer that may surprise people because a lot of people might say it's to make money, it's to procreate, to, you know, carry on your DNA. I think it's to simply be, mm -hmm. to understand that I think a lot of us, especially in a country that has an individualistic uh, culture where I'm a person and you're a separate person, I think what it really is, is that understanding is that we're not as separate as we think we are, and we're just fractions of something greater. 
something greater that wished to have the human experience. So I would say that our goal here and our purpose here is simply to be and enjoy the human experience and everything it has to have on that spectrum. We don't need to be successful in the sense of a nice car, a nice job, money, uh, marriage, or children. Those are all things that we aspire towards. And there's certainly nothing wrong with that. But when I would say, what is our real purpose on this earth? Our real purpose on this earth is to simply enjoy the full capacity of everything the human experience has to offer. Love it. And so you did speak about your book a little bit, right? Rebirth of a Sage. Where can uh, viewers find that book? So it is on Amazon. It is also an ebook on Audible as well. Um, So you can get it in paperback and audio and you can get it um, on as an ebook as well. Awesome. And you are writing another book as we speak, right? Tell us. I am. (laughs) Uh, So I am excited about this one and it is called The Faces of God. So there are so many books about a lot of important people. You can find many books about Martin Luther King and Gandhi and JFK and Obama. I mean, these are noteworthy people who absolutely have interesting lives that we can all learn from, but they're ordinary people who have such important messages as well. And when I have traveled throughout the world, I have learned so many different things from people that you would probably just pass by, what I would call ordinary people on the streets, just ordinary people. And uh, The Faces of God is essentially a story about each of those people that I've met, the wisdom that they've shared with me, the life lessons that they have shared, how they've helped me grow, and essentially how I saw God in every single person. So it's not a religious book, but the reason I call it The Faces of God is because I believe that God dwells in everyone and everything. Okay. I do have another question. Sure. (laughs) The more you talk, the more I want to know, but how would you recommend we people who may be watching this can see that God version in, in everyone, that God, that source, how can we perceive that? I always say step one is, can we perceive it in ourselves? Mm. <laughs> uh, I, 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 I know it always it sounds so easy to say, but it's like we always have to start within ourselves. So when we can really see God within ourselves, see ourselves for who we truly are, then it's so much easier to see that within other people as well. Um, there's a lot of practices that talk about how to find peace and they say peace is something within yourself. And once you have that within yourself, it's so easy to see everywhere else. And I think the same applies when talking about God and the divinity within everybody else's step one. Can we see it within ourselves? Can we offer ourselves forgiveness? Can we offer ourselves grace and understanding of the human experience and what we've done in order to survive? And when we can honor the God within our ourselves, it becomes so much easier to see that within other people. Um, For a more practical perspective, I had a middle school teacher ask me once about a class and he's like, oh, how do you like the new teacher in this class? And I was like, it's so boring. I don't like this class, you know, typical like middle school, you know, kid. And my teacher asked me, he's like, well, why? And I said, it's boring. I'm not learning anything. And I've already learned all these things. And I kind of just sit there and get my work done. And the teacher said to me, well, then you're doing it wrong. 
And I was like, well, excuse me. <laughs> I'm like, I love school. How am I doing school wrong? And he said to me, if you can't find something new that you're learning about that, then you're doing it wrong. You're looking at it the wrong way. And he said, in every situation, there is someone, something to learn from any person and any experience. So even if you think you know it all, go to that class and look at it with a fresh pair of eyes and say, what can I learn? How can I grow? And I think the same thing applies for people. So if we meet each person and say, not say, oh, you know, they don't have a car that's as nice as me, or they're not as educated, or they're not as traveled or experienced, we're looking at people the wrong way. We look at people and say, who are they? And how is it that I can learn and grow and understand something more by having this person in my life and having that interaction? And when you approach each person by saying, what good did I see? What did I learn from person? this person? I think you get a glimpse of God. Love that. And finally, could you just give us one last final message, uplifting, encouraging, whatever it may be, just speak from the heart. Speak from the heart, an uplifting message. Oh boy. Okay. <laughs> um, what would I say? I don't necessarily think that you need a near-death experience in order to understand yourself and to understand God. I think a lot of people are searching for something and maybe feel like they're not getting there. And for myself, I thought, I need to travel. I need to do A, B, C, and D. I need to learn from this guru. I need to learn from this shaman. And at the end of the day, after all those miles and all that money spent, I realized that the thing I was really, really looking for, the knowledge, the understanding, the love, it came from within myself. So I didn't need to travel. I didn't need to have this near-death experience in order to understand myself and the world and everyone in it. So for people who are still searching for their purpose, understanding that that purpose is to come, it's all about divine timing, not necessarily a near-death experience, but that divine timing and trusting and being able to hear. So I like to say, even if you're not sure about where you're going, or if you're going through something difficult, nature has something to teach us. And I like to go outside. And if you notice trees, branches, vines, they grow in so many different directions, as many as you can think of. And regardless of how they twist and how they turn, they all move towards the light. Mm -hmm. And people are like that too. So if you have made a mistake, if you're having trouble forgiving yourself, if you feel like you're not on the right path, trust that everything in nature, including ourselves, we all move towards the light. We couldn't end it on a better note. So thank you so much, Lonnie, for sharing sure. this conversation with me today. I will link your information below in case anyone would like to reach out uh, to you. Are you open for that? Sure, absolutely. Okay, great. And so thank you again for sharing your, your experience, your wisdom, your insight, and most of all, your love. Thank okay, you. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Yes. If you have an experience you'd like to share with us, please email me at thenorthstarbroadcast at gmail.com. If you're interested in working with me one-on-one, -on -one, 
please visit my website at christinebhypnotherapy.com. Thank you so much for listening.